welcome back to another episode of Caped Chronicles. I am Mike, one of your hosts tonight, and we are going to be discussing one of the best Christmas movies of all time tonight, back from 1992, Batman Returns. But I cannot do this on my own. I have to have a trusty sidekick with me, my co-host, Carrie. How are you? I'm doing really good. I just ran in the door like 20 minutes ago, so uh, this is going to be fun. I'm excited to talk about my talk about one of my Christmas movies. Yes, yes, this is a must. This is definitely a must watch. (laughs) That's right. This is a must watch at Christmas time. (laughs) And uh, but we're going to talk a little bit more about the movie. But before we get into that, we have listen. We have the pinnacle of guest hosts with us tonight. We (laughs) we are able to 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 dig around and find. And we have she is one of the co-host on Fangirl Confessionals and Guardians of the MCU. Welcome, Lizzie. Hi, and don't guys. Forget she's on our flagship show. Yes, I'm oh. I'm also on Random Chatter. She's on Random Chatter. <laughs> she's, she's one of the hosts of the flagship show, <laughs> and you forgot about that. Mike, you are fired. I think I put that in my writer, so, you know, talk to my agent. <laughs> being, being fired is not the first time that probably would have happened, and now it probably won't be the last. You guys, yes, Lizzie. I fire Thank Tim and Lou coming. all the time, so don't worry. And I, and I don't get to fire you, Mike, as much as Tim does. So I, I gotta get it in once in a while. I l- it seems like I get a pink slip every day. I literally fire Tim probably every episode of all of the podcasts we're on together, so it's fine. <laughs> oh wow! I don't well, know Lizzie, how you guys how, work how, in this how, how are you? How is how is the life in Lizzie right now? I'm doing really well. I'm so excited to join you guys. Um, I have, as if you follow me on Insta and Twitter, you know that I live at Disney, and so I've been there the past three days, um, meeting friends and going to special events. But today was a very big day. It was my family and I have been watching Sharknado from the very beginning, and no spoilers. I won't give no any spoilers. no spoilers. Don't watch my story because I document the whole thing. Um, <laughs> But we've been watching it from the very beginning, Sharknado 1, and this is supposed to be the very, very final one. And I actually, I tweet with the um, writer, Thunder Levin, and he, like, sort of confirmed that it's, like, the last one, which is kind of funny. And um, anyways, it was was kind of, like, the worst one of all of them, which is funny to say. (laughs) Because they're so (laughs) stupid, but I love them. Anyways, we did that tonight, um, so that was fun. Well, it's about time it's the last one. <laughs> no one in that on movie that wears there. capes, so it doesn't really oh, translate. I, I, I love the Shark Shark Nano movies, but I have not seen the new one yet, so I will probably watch that one tomorrow. I won't have time this evening. Yeah, it just came out um, last night, but we missed it because my family, my parents were traveling. I have a brand new baby nephew boy, um, obviously, because the boy's a nephew. And um, he was born in Tampa, so they were out there visiting him. So we watched it tonight instead of yesterday. So I missed the actual, like, live tweet with, you know, the world. But that's okay. I do my own thing. But I, I did catch you. I did catch some of your live tweets today. So Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I had to turn time. your story off about halfway through when I realized Good. you were starting to discuss Sharknado 6. I was like, oh, crap. Yes. Always mute when you see that happening. But I will say that Vivica Fox retweeted and responded to one of my tweets because I got like a quote wrong and she was like actually it's this word and I was like the queen has responded because she was in Kill Bill and I love Kill Bill well I did my best when I promoted is to try to get Michael Keaton or Danny DeVito (laughs) 
to, you got to third either best. like the tweet right? or something. <laughs> right. I, I got Lizzie. The third best. But, uh, but like I said, so Lizzie is joining us tonight. And uh, as you know, she is she is on me and Carrie's sister podcast, um, The Guardians MCU, and me and Carrie do DC talk. And But we're going to talk about a DC movie tonight. And for those who, who don't realize, I may come down hard on Lizzie <laughs> on Discord. Uh, but Lizzie really does like DC. And, um, and, and in her heart, and she, she has mentioned multiple times that she does like DC. She just wishes sometimes they would listen and do better yes. than what they have been doing. Yes, and I um, always I though- always respond, and I always, uh, you know, I think we have really good discussion about it. So I, I always rise to the occasion when I'm baited about DC because I love talking about it, so I don't care. We did get you, Lizzie, because we love you. Thank you. Yes. I love you yes. guys, too. But... <laughs> As far as any network announcements, I don't think there is anything um, that we have major uh, as far as network. But there are a lot of shows out there. I know Movie Chatter just started back up. I give you, I encourage you to give it a listen. Um, and there was a couple of bets made on that show as far as, far as who's got to watch Greatest Showman, who's got to watch Cabin in the Woods, and and other stuff like that. So I encourage you to um, to watch those. I haven't even started watching, listening but listen to that to podcast yet, and they're already giving me homework. This is not oh. good. Oh, it's so good. It's Crap. so good. More, more, more than this homework, right? More right, than this yeah, homework. Yeah. I've already got way oh, yeah. too much homework to do. <laughs> well, like I, well, like I said, we're talking about Batman Returns tonight. So Batman has returned Woo-hoo! to the screen. Yay! In 1992. What? I was saying yay. We're both oh. excited. Oh. Oh, oh, okay, okay. See, I, I thought you said, hey, like, like, what did I do? Now? Yay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You're already fired, that's it. You didn't do nothing, Mike, you didn't do nothing. Oh, good, good. Just a little, uh, well, Carrie, would you like to, to read our summary about the movie? Sure. When a corrupt businessman and the grotesque penguin plot to take, o- take control of Gotham City, only Batman can stop them, while Catwoman has her own agenda. All right, all right. And we're going to be talking a little bit about Catwoman. That's one of the reasons why Lizzie wanted to come on the podcast is uh, because Michelle Pfeiffer has Catwoman here in this movie. And we may have some disagreements or some agreements. We don't know. We'll get into that here in a little bit. Um, <laughs> but the director's movie was one is one of my favorite directors. It's Tim Burton. This is I, why I, we go along, Mike. I know. I thoroughly I love, enjoy a I lot of Tim Burton stuff. I love everything Tim Burton does, even when it's crap. <gasps> Could you imagine if there was to be a team up with him and Zack Snyder? Oh dear God! Ooh. <laughs> It'd be an awesome oh, oh, movie. No, no, Mike, 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 get dear him, God. get him together with Zack Snyder and Guillermo del Toro. That a perfect DC would movie, be right there. Awesome. <laughs> you guys are funny. <laughs> like, like Mar- Marvel no, has, we're Marvel, to get has him Ru- for, um... Marvel has the Russos and. Their stable of, of directors, if we could get like Tim Burton and Guillermo del Toro and Zack Snyder and Joss Whedon, we're good. We you know Jeff Jeff Johns is starting to make a pretty good splash um, Ooh, too, yeah. as well in DC Universe. But anyways, but if you don't know who Tim Burton, if you've been living under a rock, he is um, he is the director of Edward Scissorhands, uh, the first Batman, uh, Batman Forever. No, he did not direct th- Batman Forever, Mike. That is wrong. I want to pretend he did. I read he did. He was a producer. Okay, so he was sorry, not, he he was not he a was director. He was a producer of that. He was still in the movie, Carrie. He was part we of can, production, but not the director. We, yeah. we, we, can, we, okay. will discuss, we will discuss this when we get to Batman Forever, Mike. Dang, fired again. I, I will I, not I, be I, on that I, one. I have theories. <laughs> <laughs> and then he also directed Beetlejuice. 
Uh, and he is directing the upcoming Dumbo movie that is uh, that Disney has been working on. So Which looks it'll be exciting amazing. to see how his influences will affect that movie as well. Did you guys see the trailer um, for that? that it looks, looks amazing. so beautiful. It does. It Dumbo looks, really looks good. adorable. I'm kind I of. Ex- want, I just want to hug him. I'm excited to see something that seems a little different for him. Like the trailer looks. Uh, very different than his normal fare, and but I think it's totally within his realm. I think he's a lot. It's funny that they work together, but he he and Johnny Depp for me are like I I love them both. I'm a big fan of like the things that they do that we all love. But I think they both get into this like na- niche of like becoming caricatures of themselves. Uh, you know, especially yeah. Johnny Depp. But I see that in Tim Burton too. I'm a big actually. I'm a big fan of his Sweeney Todd production. I think he did oh, that. Oh, that was. That I was loved. Good. Huh. I loved that one, and um, but that one had him written all over it. But I think that sometimes it, it just is like played out. So I think the Dumbo for me feels really new and fresh and different. And as did as does Batman Returns in its own little place and time because it was so earlier in his career. It's it's like before all of that. So it holds like this pedestal for me because it's my. It's actually here. Here we go. Favorite Batman movie of all time is Batman Returns um, for me. And so I'm excited to see Dumbo. It reminds me of the freshness of Batman Returns for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah. Hmm. Well, any, for, me, any t- for me, any time we, we get the uh, Burton, Depp, uh, Elfman trifecta, that is just amazing. But we, we, get, two, we get two of the, two of the Trinity in this, in this movie again. So that was awesome. All I got from that whole statement right there from you two was the episode title is going to be Carrie Wants to Hug an Elephant. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> no, no, no. But uh, but Lizzie, since since a lot of these actors have some roles um, in in the Marvel universe, <laughs> uh, would you like to would you like to kind of read a little bit about who our actors are and and um, and cause a couple things maybe they've done. Sure. Uh, obviously, starting off with Michael Keaton, who started mm-hmm. his role with, as Batman in the first Batman movie, um, which is a little below Batman Returns for me, um, mm. only because I love Catwoman that much that she catapults it over the edge for me. But Jack Nicholson also deserves his place in the sun. Um, but it, yes, he does. Yeah. And so also Beetlejuice, like we said, um, the Tim Burton, Michael Keaton reprise um was it was beetle just before batman returns or after after right before before it was before oh. batman yeah it was before no i think it, yeah it came right before because that's one reason why they hired him i believe to direct batman was because of his work on beetlejuice oh. they saw that it was a success in the box office and they hired him for batman oh then batman is the reprise not the other way around there we go um, and he was in Birdman, which I still haven't seen, but was critically acclaimed, and I really, really wanted to see it. It seemed like he was really playing a caricature of himself, which I really enjoy when actors sort of make fun of themselves and poke, you know, holes in their personas. Um, yeah. And then, of course, on the Marvel side of the world, um, Spider-Man Homecoming, he played the Vulture to perfection. Um, great addition great. to the Marvel Universe. Um, can't go yes. wrong there. So. Love him. <laughs> he was also also one of my he, one of my favorite Tim uh, not Tim, no, one of my favorite Keaton movies is Multiplicity, 
which is insane. Yeah, that movie is excellent. He's in a lot of like, oh yeah, he's in that movie movies from like, yeah. especially yeah. between like late eighties into the nineties. He kind of yeah. was like off the grid, but like doing great movies. But nobody was like, is that Batman doing multiplicity? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. He's like, well, I do know, I do know, he almost did not sign on though for Batman Returns. Because and I don't remember the whole story, but he almost didn't sign on for this movie. But he made them give him a substantial pay increase to come back and do Batman Returns, which explains why he didn't go on to do any of the other ones. <laughs> right. Well, I unfortunately would want, I would want a pay increase to be in that suit because the suit looks awesome. But if you can't move in it, it looks better than the, than the first one. I know That's they true. did some, some. I know they did some changes. Well, to especially it, in the neck in the first one, you can so tell that he is cannot move his head. Like he's like, he moves right. his whole body to like look at somebody. It's really funny. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Big Michael right. Keaton fan. So after that, we have Danny DeVito, classic. Yep. Another classic. He was in Taxi. He's in Deck the Halls. He's in. He's currently in. Still, right? It's always sunny in Philadelphia. I, I think they're yes. still going. Yeah. I've never seen it, but I think he's still. It's he's still in there. It's one that gets recommended to me on the regular, but I haven't watched it because once it gets to like a certain amount of episodes, I'm like, that's like a commitment. <laughs> <laughs> so I haven't taken that commitment yet. He's also in an episode of Friends where he plays the stripper, and it's one of my favorite episodes. <laughs> I only got through about the first season of that, and I got bored with the I'm show, sorry. so I stopped watching I'm it. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> I'm yeah, sorry. So did I, I, couldn't, I couldn't hear either of you, because you just said that about friends? Yeah. <laughs> bored? I, Seinfeld was good. I, 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 I mean, I love Seinfeld. I lose, okay, in, fair I, lose interest, I lose interest in anything that doesn't have a sci-fi bent to it, so, you know. Uh, Guys, it's okay if, to if be they, wrong. If they maybe did friends in space, I, I might have stuck around a bit longer goodness all right well all right fair enough to each their own but also danny devito (laughs) yes he's in there (laughs) he is is there any other danny devito movies that like stick out twins oh twins is classic twins schwarzenegger oh my gosh and i only only, only put one in the show notes that i knew what I only put one stuff in the show notes that I actually that's knew okay. and have, to have actually seen. That's why we... So that's why you need to edit it, Carrie, before we get on the show. That's why we throw it out there. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and the unofficial sequel, Junior. Oh, my gosh. Junior. Oh, boy. <laughs> Junior was amazing. All, all good ones. Now we're coming up to my fave here, Michelle Pfeiffer. Here we go. Okay, here we go. Number one. Thank you for listing Stephanie in Grease 2 as the first thing because she is, that is the reason I think partly why I love her Catwoman so much is I am a huge Grease 2 fan. I've seen it more than the Mm. original. I own two copies of it, not one. I don't know why. How did I know this is the direction I, this conversation yeah, is going? Of I it. have never seen Grease 2. It's okay. It's, it's always, but I, I this... really liked Grease 2 until I was about 12. And then I kind of got out of liking it. No, that's But I, I specifically put this in there, though, because I knew you liked Grease 2. It, it, I'm going to go home and watch it. That's what's going to happen. Oh, by oh the way, I love it so much. Um, I'm not going to say it's better than the first one. I feel like it, it just is earworms me more than the first one. Like it gets in my head more. 
Um, so that is my like main, one of my very, very favorite Michelle Pfeiffer roles. Another one that you don't have on here, she's in Stardust, which is wonderful. <gasps> yes, that is one Never of my favorite movies ever. She plays the villain. It's a Neil Gaiman um, book, and the movie is better than the book in my estimation. And, I agree. Oh, it's wonderful and I fantastical. Agree. Despite, despite, the, despite the fact that, that Claire Danes annoys me, I, I agree that it... Yeah, that it's a. I, I love Claire, a but much better movie than it is a book. It's very rare that I would say that. Another one, um, she's in Hairspray. Um, that's a great like musical, and it's sort of her and John she's Travolta are both in that one, so it kind of melds the worlds of Greece together, which I love. You know, um, <laughs> you also have Murder on the Orient Express, which just came out what last year. I saw that. That was yeah. Mm-hmm. I still need. I still need to see that. It was good. Yes, you do. You do. Kenneth Branagh, excellent. Um, and then, of course, on the Marvel side of life, Janet Van Dyne and Ant-Man and the Wasp, which just came out in July and was excellent. Her part was wonderful. Yes. yes. So, yeah. And and she'll, she's also supposed to be in Infinity War, too. Yeah, I, I imagine War. because of the whole, yeah. because of what happens with... Oh, oh I'm, I'm sorry, the untitled Avengers movie. <laughs> it's Avengers 4. <laughs> we know. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah. Oh. And rounding out your list here is Christopher Walken of Cowbell. <laughs> Listen, I had listed two of my personal favorite movies in this list. But you have Harrisbury right. on there for him, but not for Michelle Pfeiffer, by the way. I know, Amazing. but I wanted him, I had to list him in Blast in the Past and Joe Dirt. Okay, Blast in the Past those two is movies. <laughs> it is a funny movie. That's the highlight of Brendan <laughs> Fraser, who is another one who has a deep place in my heart. The Mummy is like king for me. <laughs> yeah, but he's also yep. more cowbell. He's okay. also King Louie in the in the oh, Jungle yeah. Book. He does the voice of Louie. Yes, yes. He's also in a million and a half other things. Like, oh yeah, we're picking a oh, very yeah. small. <laughs> and, and 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 he usually has. He doesn't usually have big roles either. He, he doesn't have. I don't want to say main roles, but he—he, he, you know, he's there. But he always has these kind of subtle roles in the background, and I—I uh, th- I think that's one reason why I like him when, when he acts in these things because you don't see a lot of him as Calvin. You know, you of course you see him at the beginning and then uh, and from Blast from the Past and a couple throughout the middle, but he's not the main focused character as he is in this movie. Um, so I, I, I do like Christopher Walken. Other movies uh, he's in, um, Pulp Fiction, obviously, it's like a huge. Like class classic, um, Sleepy Hollow. Um, he was in yep. Annie Hall way back in the day. Wedding Crashers. He's very funny in Wedding Crashers. Um, he's he's just been around for ages and ages, like sort of like Danny DeVito, and they have that foothold in Hollywood. So it's fun to see them in these roles, but like yeah. are funny and fantastical and ridiculous and hilarious. He was also um, Captain Hook in the live production of Peter Pan on, I think, NBC. Did that one or Fox? Really? Yeah. It was actually a hot mess. <laughs> I think he was <laughs> I think he was drunk because everybody's like, what? He, he's funny and sings and does his own thing, but he was like lazily like talking through the whole thing. And I think like Twitter was like, what's wrong with Christopher Walken? <laughs> but that's like him. It's like him playing himself. So I don't know. It's like very oh, yeah. like normal. <laughs> oh yeah. So that's like the main um, cast, right? They right. Here. Right. And you have a few, few, few other ones too, but those are the main ones that you see through the movie. Um, so 
on on to the composer though. The composer of the score was Danny Elfman, oh. and he is probably one of my favorite um, composers. Um, oh, he yes. composed music for Sweeney Todd. Um, he came up with a Simpsons. No, theme. he didn't. Do, he didn't do any music for Sweeney Todd. Sweeney Todd is um, is no, Sondheim. I, Sondheim. No, I heard. I heard he helped. I saw. Well, that he, he may have done score. Um, score okay. only, but Son- right. Sondheim right, wrote Sweeney Todd, so I'm sure he'd probably help us with score. And then I know he wrote a lot with the Sam Raimi Spider-Man series. Yeah, the um, first two. Right. We did Edward Scissorhands. He, yep. Yes. He, he 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 helped write. I can't remember the other uh, the other guy's name who helped Brian write the Tyler? score with as well for Age of Ultron. For, 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 for part of those ones. Well, and he's also um, helped on the majority of um, Tim Burton's roster here. Edward Scissorhands, Night Before Christmas, oh, Alice yeah. in Wonderland, Beetlejuice, Corpse Bride, oh, yeah. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. He's been a part of all of those. He's got a very good rapport with, 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 with Tim Burton as well. Yes. And that's one reason why he keeps going back to him. One of my favorites um, that he's done is the original Tobey Maguire Spider-Man number one. That is a great soundtrack. And I think because mm-hmm. Spider-Man yes. has been had, you know, this recast and then recast situation. Um, people forget about that. That is a, an excellent, excellent soundtrack. That's one of my favorites of right. his. Yeah, if you if you like metal at all, um, Epica did a uh, live concert in Hungary a few years ago. If you can pick up the album, they, they do a medley of the Spider-Man soundtrack. Um, it's a great one. At one point, so it's it's a metal band and a classic and an orchestra together doing the medley, and it's awesome. Ooh, he did both Men in Blacks and also Dick Tracy in '90, which is one of my other like low key yeah. childhood mm-hmm. favorites, um, mm-hmm. as well as the one that I have on my playlist that constantly comes up is Wanted. Which is a random one to have come up the Angelina Jolie James McAvoy yes. movie. Yeah, that soundtrack yeah. is epic. Oh yeah, that, that I did not know he. I did not know he did that one. Yeah, that one is great. Well, he even has he even has a track a track singing on that one. Yeah, he does. That one. That wow. one. That one is permanently on all of my playlists. Uh, Little okay. things is, is on my playlists like all the time. Yeah. Uh, he also did um, the Ang Lee Hulk. Yeah, Planet and of the Apes. Goodwill Hunting. Oh, look! Did, I could. He, I, he did he, back to He's school. done a lot. He had. He had. He has made his way around. Um, he, he's done a lot of movies that even sometimes we don't even give a second thought to. Hellboy that, Two. Um, I wonder who wrote. I wonder who wrote this, and and it was him. And he's he's done a lot of movies. He's 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 been around, um, and he's 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 one of the best composers um, on on that that I enjoy listening to. Oh, I agree. Yeah. Especially his his Justice League, the most recent Justice League movie. I think he did a phenomenal job. Oh, that um, soundtrack is amazing. I like that one much better than the Batman versus Superman soundtrack. That mm. that soundtrack pisses me off, but the Justice League one mm. is good. I'm okay with the Batman versus Superman. That's fine. We uh, can fight about it later. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> uh, who did who was I can't remember now, Carrie. Who who did he take over for in Justice League to finish the score? Um, I thought it was Michael Giacchino, but I could be wrong. Oh, Michael Giacchino is one of my absolute favorites. I think I th- I think it was, and I love Michael Giacchino because his his soundtracks on Lost oh. is what got me hooked on his music. I've got all the CDs for all the seasons of Lost. Same. His his soundtrack, and also um, his work. Um, I know this is totally off topic, but his work on Jurassic World soundtrack gives me chills every time. 
Yes. When the T-Rex comes out. Yes. Oh, that track is beautiful. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Michael. So. But we're talking about Danny. Look, no, yeah, we're, we're, talking, talking, about we're Danny. talking about Danny. We got off track. All right. Well we're, well, we're talking about the box office now. See how this movie actually did. So let's move on to that. Uh, the runtime of this movie was 126 minutes. It was rated PG-13, um, which I understand why. <laughs> it was released June 19, 1992, with a budget of $80 million. The opening weekend domestic was 45, a little over $45.5 million. Uh, and it ended its domestic gross with 160, almost $163 million. Worldwide gross of this movie was $282. Um, $0.8 million. Now, understand, according to the people who believe Solo was a flop, um, which it only made $391 million domestic, I mean, worldwide, this Solo would made be more considered a flop. <laughs> right. So Solo made more of this, so if Solo's a flop, then I guess this movie's a flop. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, no. Well, Solo's yeah, only considered a flop when it because it has to be compared to the other movies. This came out at a time when superhero films weren't the standard so it's i think it's considered a success because of that oh it is yeah oh yeah it, it, it made a lot of money right. compared to what the budget was they definitely made their money back um and 45 you know over 45 million dollars opening weekend is not a bad opening back in 92 well and that again was, for a superhero film that people weren't really like we want that you know mm-hmm. other right. than as a sequel to batman but even that sequels don't do as well a lot of times so it had no business even, you know, technically, it's a great movie, but, like, given the givens, it could have no business making this much. So it's it's great that it did. Right. Oh, right. yeah. Well, the Rotten Tomatoes gave it an 81%. Um, so that's the one time I can actually somewhat agree with Rotten Tomatoes. And then the audience score is 73%. In, in case you don't know, Carrie, I'm not a big fan of Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> no, I, I could never I, have guessed that. I think they, I, I I think they score a things a lot of- inaccurately. I'm not. I'm not a fan of theirs either, really. I don't like any critic they, rating systems. They piss me off. So I, Tim I knows tend this. not listen to. I tend to. I try to not listen to critics. Uh, it won Best Makeup at the Saturn Awards. Uh, Danny Elfman also won the BMI Film Music Award uh, for this movie. Um, just a couple other little small notes before we get into the movie itself. Um, somewhere near fifty percent of the Warner Brothers lot was used to film this movie. So it, it was a. It took a lot of space to 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 film this particular movie. Yeah. The film faced animal rights protesting due to the penguins having rockets on their backs. Um, <laughs> people were up in arms about penguins having rockets on their back. Ah, so Twitter before Twitter was Twitter. Yeah. Oh, Twitter would have murdered this. <laughs> yeah. Oh. The out the outrage the outrage never stopped. It just got louder. Yeah. Right. So this film was also kept under extreme secrecy um, on the lot. A different name was used around the lot, and the art designers had to have the windows closed during pre-production. They they wanted this movie to remain. That was one of Tim Burton's um, requests: was that this movie be extremely secretive. As a matter of fact, I read that a photo of the set had had been leaked somehow, had gotten out, and they hired lawyers to find whoever took the pictures and sue them just because this photo set photo got out. Um, but anyway, so it was kept in extreme secrecy. The parental backlash criticized this movie with violence and sexual references that were inappropriate for children despite being rated PG-13. Now, I, I can kind of see that in a movie. Um, McDonald's would shut down their Happy Meal promo for the film because of its 
the parental backlash. I but now kind, we have parents taking their of, kids to see Deadpool. Yeah, now we have parents taking their kids to see Deadpool. I was just I was just talking about this at work a few hours ago. Uh, yeah, I can kind of see that because um, Penguin was kind of gross. Yeah, yeah. he's disgusting. He's, he like this is not this is not the penguin I'm used to. I'm I've never been a fan of this penguin. Yeah, I'm more used to the one on Gotham now. Now that I've seen that 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 show a lot, well, he um, penguin he, penguins usually more sophisticated, and and he's right. not some he's not someone to be easily distracted by a pretty girl or raw fish. Right, right. They went like a little more um, literal than I think yeah. we have come to know from our characters. Like a, nobody's doing anything as literal as that. Um, it's all it's. Either like DC's more gritty. What if what if superheroes were re- in our real world, like the the Dark Knight run, where you really take away the supernatural element almost to make them so grounded that they feel real, or it, it's all implied. You know what I mean? It's, it's not like oh he's a fish person. Okay, <laughs> it's not an actual <laughs> penguin. He's not an actual penguin. He doesn't have penguin right. DNA. <laughs> it's no, he was ant just, suit. He was he's just not part ant. Right. That's crazy. (laughs) Well, so let's talk a little bit about about the movie. So as far as our backgrounds go, um, I'm just going to simply say it's Batman. So, you know, what's what's not to like? Uh, Carrie, what what about you? (laughs) Well, this is one, this along with um, Nightmare Before Christmas and Edward Scissorhands, oddly, all both. All three Tim Burton movies are, are my Christmas movies. Um, when I remember to watch movies at Christmas instead of just gaming or reading a book. <laughs> so yeah, and this is this is one of my, one of my favorite uh, Tim Burton movies. It's also one of my favorite my favorite scores um, of Danny's. Um, All right, and I, Lizzie, what about you? Yeah, I never really thought of it as a Christmas movie, but I I will go to bat for Die Hard being a Christmas movie day and night. So from your um, criteria, it does count, but I never watched it as one. I um, I always watch it when I'm like in the mood for so I'll do like Batman, then Batman Returns, or if I'm in like a I get into a Michelle Pfeiffer kick, I'll watch all Michelle Pfeiffer movies. So that's usually when like this one comes up for me. Um, so I never thought to watch it at Christmas time. It's just not part of my Christmas canon. I was 10 when it came out, so I didn't actually see it in theaters or anything. I was obviously too young. My parents were conservative and uh, conservative Christian, and we would never have been. We're not going to go to the movie to see PG-13 when I'm 10. That's just never going to happen in my household, which is fine. And Yeah, I think I was 14 when this came out. Yeah. Yeah. It was in the 2000s before I saw this one. Oh, I was 15. Sorry. I, I wasn't old enough. I definitely grew up watching this with my family. So I, when I was old enough, my parents showed it to me. And we, because they, they're big dorks like I am. We're big nerds together. Um, my whole family is. So they, I mean, it's why I'm a Star Wars fan. It's why I'm a Marvel fan. It's why I love DC and movies and Jurassic Park and everything. Back to the Future, Indiana Jones. It's because of them. So I definitely was introduced to this at a young age, which is why it holds that place, but I never saw it in the theaters or anything. But um, I think that's part of the reason why it holds such a deep place in my heart, the way, not quite to the level that Star Wars, obviously that's like the pinnacle of my family's um, like nerddom, but um, Batman always did have that, Batman and the Superman, the Christopher Reeves Supermans all had like a very high place in my heart because of my parents. So 
um, it's due to them that I am the nerd I am today. So. <laughs> well, well, yeah, yeah. But we never watched a Christmas, so I never thought about it being a Christmas movie. Okay. Well, uh, now you can watch it this year at Christmas. Yeah, there you go. I'll do it just for you. Yeah. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah, I, have to I, watch, I will watch. I will watch Iron Man three at Christmas. There, I don't count that as a Christmas movie at all. I know. Same criteria, is, but though. this one I feel like is a little bit more relevant than that one. You know what I mean? I could see that. Yeah, I can see that. I know he brings her the giant bunny for Christmas, but like it's it's such an afterthought. And then you have the and then you have the party that the vice president's at. Yeah, it's like Christmas is like the setting and an afterthought, whereas Christmas actually plays a role in Batman Returns and in Die Hard so much that it does feel like part of a character that makes sense. Whereas, right? You know, anyways, yeah. nuance. Um, I will watch this at Christmas. All to say that will happen. <laughs> well. Did y'all think it worked as a as a sequel story, as a continuation story from the first one? Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. I think it really has the threads into it. I think it works as a standalone as well, which any good movie can stand on its own two feet as well um, and isn't beholden to the, the greater universe but is enhanced by it. And I think that this movie, um, you know, you don't have Nicole Kidman showing up as, like, the return love interest. Batman was never like that, so... Um, I like that. Nicole, you mean Kim Basinger, right? I mean Kim Basinger. Sorry, Nicole, Nicole Kidman's in the third the one. one. Right. Sorry. They <laughs> they literally look the same, though. They're both like the blonde bombshell vix, vixeny looking um, character, unfortunately. Um, but yeah. Sorry, Kim Basinger. You're right. Oh no, I I, I thought it did yeah. too. Um, I thought it was a very good uh, sequel story to what was going on. Um, even though I, and I found out that Burton apparently, I, I had the, um, two disc special edition set for this movie. So on the special features, features, Burton did not want this to actually be a continuation story at first. Oh. Um, he hmm. wanted to do something completely different, which was, which was, which was odd, but it ended up, he, I think he, uh, he did it without realizing he was doing it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it, it was a good movie. I thought it was a good continuation. It was a good, you know, sequel to it. Um, so as we as we start getting into the the villains in this movie, um, and we start talking about things we liked and didn't like, um, we're going to keep politics out of this part as uh, much as we can. As Car- Car- Carrie's going to laugh, um, yeah, <laughs> we're going to keep politics out of this because there's a lot of political stuff in this one. Um, one that, of them being that looks very that's very scary. Watch rewatching this right now. So yeah. hopefully, Carrie got all of it out this week, and <laughs> and, and and I got all of it out this week because we don't want to turn to a political podcast. We just want to talk about the movie. Yes. Um, but as far as the villains go, I think the villains were very compelling to an extent. Um, Penguin's plan was one that was absolutely. I think it was definitely de- telegraphed throughout the movie. You could tell what he was doing, but his manipulation was outstanding in this movie the way he you know i know carrie you mentioned that he wasn't a sophisticated plan i think it was even though we 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 knew what it was that he wanted well, to get the names of the firstborns well, it was very it was very sneaky how he did it how he got up to it um well see that the th- that's the thing is like if the his his plot felt felt a bit contrived and 
it made me as I as I was going back and watching through it, I started to wonder if maybe he knew who his parents were the entire time. And I think this he was did. just a this was just a way of getting access to the city records and um, taking his revenge on them. And and on the city that let him uh, right. be tossed away. That's yeah, that I, I feel is very evident in that he is more of a mastermind than just adult bopping around, you know, being like, oh, look, you know, he knows what he's doing and he's very calculated about it. Um, trying to win the hearts of everybody by being the poor little penguin kid, you know, like he's very calculated, I think. That he, he being was... said, he was also very, very easily distracted and that didn't, that didn't jive so well with what he was trying to do right and 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 i will go back to this and i will go back to this point too is that i do think he he knew i will say i do think he knew who his parents were because a man who has access to the sewer systems had to know who his parents were the whole time um but 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 yeah he 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 was he was very he was very calculative he was calculating he was very mischievous but he I kind of agree with you, Carrie. I'm not 100% sure why he would be taken back by fish. And I can understand the 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 woman part. You know, considering that who was down there with him, um, I can understand who would, you know, that. But I don't think it's as evident as it probably should have been. Um, yeah, okay. So he was a th- he's a 33-year-old male who's only been around penguins and circus people. Um, right. Still, there there was something really, really icky about the way he came off, especially um, right. with regards to how he treated uh, women around him. It was just like, ugh. And I'm not, right. I'm not usually, I'm not usually the per- the kind, the person who's going to point that out. But just like it, it was way, way over the top. And and by the way, I do not condone any of that kind of actions. If no, anybody, say, no, if, no, if, no. if anybody is is leaving this podcast thinking or or listening here thinking, oh, my case, no, no, I'm just, <laughs> I, I can see, I can see why. But if he's just around penguins and circus people, but I don't condone anything he did, and he probably should not have been. If he was so, if he was so contriving on how his plane was going to go, it does seem ridiculous, as Carrie said, that he would be. Um, taken off by by fish and, and, and women. Well, I think so. the women thing's indicative of the time period. I mean, as we've seen yeah, with, right. I agree. with Me Too and the changes that we're looking at now in filmmaking and trying to be more progressive and understanding that women are people and not, not objects to look at. Um, I think that the time period Correct. is very telling. And I think that his character is is representative of that that whole... You know what I mean? That it's that visual thing, and he hasn't been around women. He's been locked in a sewer. So I think that that's it's lazy writing at best. Um, if you want to get into offensive, it it surely is. But I think it's a laziness yeah. to say like, oh, and he saw some boobs. You know, like okay, that yeah, a politi- a politician would never be able to get away with that today. Oh no. Oh wait. Not oh, wait, political. Right. No, I'm not. I, 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 I'm shutting up now. <laughs> but yeah, but yes, and and I and I do agree with you too, Lizzie. That that back then this was this was almost the norm in movies. Women were viewed at as 
as more or less objects and and things in a movie whereas it is the culture now is changing yeah and that is good it 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 it, it needs to change but back then this is very like you said this is very indicative of the time period of this movie you know what's really Um, funny about it though is that to juxtapose that with such a strong female character like michelle pfeiffer's catwoman yes she's sexualized she's wearing like a skin tight leather cat suit and it is like this the exact like tape to her body so there is a sexualization to her character but she also takes ownership over her own life she says like she goes back and stands up for herself she t- you know she she makes a lot of choices in the midst of what's been done to her and she doesn't play the victim and so i think in the midst of that to have such a strong character driven by all the things that have happened to her, juxtaposed against Penguin, who's like, ladies, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like that's so strange to have those right. those things against <laughs> yeah, each other. It's they an don't, interesting mix. They don't play well together. Um, they're, they're weirdly put together here, I think, is the, is the thing to say about it. Looking, you can't, I mean, one of the things we have to remember is we can't look at these movies through our eyes now. We know more than we did then. We have to, like, enjoy a movie for what it was, call out the things that should be done better, and say, like, whatever, it holds a place in our heart. That's okay. We can look at the bad yeah. and the good all together. Um, we can't, like, be like, if you should change everything because of 2018. <laughs> that's crazy. Right. Um, that's never going to happen. It shouldn't happen. But it is weird that these two opposing object like things are put together in the same movie. I think that's strange. <laughs> Thinking about I've never oh, yeah. thought about it before, but it's weird. And speaking of Catwoman, though, um, my girl, this is this is this is probably where me and Lizzie may may unfriend each other. That's okay. Uh oh. I, I I had a hard time figuring out her main focus for the whole movie. I did not feel like she was a very compelling villain after we after rewatching it. I understand what her whole mindset was: is I'm going to get revenge again on Shrek and his and his company. I, I get that, but I just. Uh, to me, a villain's got to have more motivation than just going after one person. Well, see, the and... thing is, the thing is, Catwoman is never really completely a villain. Yeah, she's, she's, yeah, she's, 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 she's an anti-villain, anti-hero, she's an anti- right there down the line. She's, she's an antagonist, definitely, but she usually has some moral code, and we see we see that with how how she reacted to um, Penguin killing off the um, the Ice Princess. And how she didn't like there was only there was a line she was not willing to cross, um, except when it came to dealing with Shrek. Right. Um, what I like most about her is that she's a really complex character, and I think in a time period when you didn't see that as the regular, um, you'd have like the one woman in, in Terminator, one woman in Star Wars, one woman in this, one woman in that, and they're not you know, they have to hold up for the whole gender. And she's incredibly complex given the time period. She is crazy as all get out. And her motivations don't have to make sense for her to have drive. She's being driven by, I think, I think more than anything else. And the reason why I respond so much, so much to her, she's being driven by a newfound power within herself is she was mousy and quiet and bossed around by everybody until this this watershed moment of being thrown out of a window and, and like discovering, you know, this like power, this, like this empowerment within her. So I don't think she's even driven by revenge by more than she is 
more than anything else, I think she's just driven by the like this madcap crazy power being unleashed within her and seeing like what does that mean for me it means I don't want to go out and kill every single person and get revenge it means that there is a line it means sometimes I find myself on Batman's side and sometimes I find myself on Penguin's side because I'm self-serving and I never was before I was quiet and I did what everyone else said and now I'm not going to do that anymore and that is her motivation and I think that's I, I akin to that greatly um, and, and so I find her to not really be a true villain in the sense she's not, she's not one. She's an anti-villain. She's, she's an antagonist, like you're saying. I think there's another word that we don't have for what she is because she's sort of in her own world. She's a, a little, I, I would put her closely in a Loki category, um, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I get that. Right. Yeah. You know, I could see that. Yeah. She's in her own, but- she's in her own world. That's what I love about her. But at the same time, she's she's someone who's been pushed too far, and now she's been given all of this freedom uh, to basically go and do what she feels she needs to, and what what she can, and basically she can do whatever she wants now. Right. And, it's all this self motivated power that she's discovered, yeah. and, and and God God's help anyone who stands in her way. Right. And I think the complexity of her character, and I want to say this, the complexity of her character, the portrayal of Catwoman in this movie, and the and, and, and the actor and and the focus and well not the focus. Um, but yeah, the, the complexity and portrayal of her I think was phenomenal in this movie. They, I think she does a whole lot better job than she than than Halle Berry did in Catwoman movie. Oh my god, you uh, can't um, compare those that. two at all. Please never say no. that again. And <laughs> One is canonical to actual DC characters, and one doesn't make any sense. (laughs) But, but I think she's she's a very complex, and she is a very the portrayal of Catwoman was very good in this movie. I just struggled a little bit thinking, okay, I'm trying to figure out her, and and yeah, in this movie she could be crazy as all get out. Like when she went nuts after she first got back to her apartment after everything happened, um, she went straight ballistic up in that place. Right. Um, I'm kind of thinking, okay, okay, I get it. You were upset things were happening to you. Now you got pushed out of a window. You've been always, you've been always, it's almost as if you were almost always been pushed out of a window your whole life. Now you literally happens and it's the breaking point. Um, but I just, I, I, I don't know. I struggled with the direction they wanted her to go or just to, whether they wanted, it's almost as if they felt like they wanted her to be in the background at certain points, but then they wanted her to be predominant in certain points of the movie they didn't want her throughout the whole movie um so i enjoyed the portrayal and the complexity of her but i struggled with how they were trying to put her the direction that they that they wanted her to go in the movie would it just seemed like it wasn't connecting would you say mike that they couldn't figure out where to put her so they just let her be there yeah but it to a point, yes, but for, okay. So, for example, I'm not I'm not um, making much sense myself. So, <laughs> well, <laughs> sorry. For example, when Batman goes and he's beating up all the clowns and he blows the one clown up, which is another issue, and then he meets Penguin on the street, um, out walks, backflips, <laughs> right? She backflips to them. It's almost as if out of nowhere, Batman and Penguin are having this conversation. Oh, we gotta we we gotta somehow put Catwoman in here. So they bring Catwoman in to say something, and oh, the building blows behind her, and she and she leaves again. So it's it, it's 
it's almost like they tried to put her into a scene instead of giving her the scene. Now, what they did in her apartment where she was sewing the suit and that kind of thing, she did a phenomenal job because that was a scene devoted to her. But it's almost as if certain parts of the movie, they attempted just to put her into a scene because they wanted to put her into a scene. Yeah, okay. And, I, I kinda get, instead of I giving her a role. That's, that's kind of what I meant. I see. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean... I think that goes back to the the female character problem then. I think that that's like... Right. I I think that the undeniability of Michelle Pfeiffer in that role was... I don't know if maybe they didn't anticipate what she was bringing to the table there. Um, Because if you look at her roster prior to that, this is like... I mean, she she did play like the vixen. She's like the counterpart to Meg Ryan's like um, America's Sweetheart. She's like the, the shadowy vixeny underbelly like that kind of thing she's like the juxtaposition of meg ryan at the time period meg ryan got all the rom-coms the sweet roles she got like um um uh, what did all the like you know grittier she got the mob she got the mob wife yeah you know uh, she got lounge star face and like like, you know so i think i think they maybe just didn't realize like the powerhouse that she was going to be in that role and they i mean i think she should have been the villain i think i think to to pair her with penguin was the mistake personally i think she deserved to be the person she's always the gravy and this is my beef with everybody who's ever done catwoman don't get me started in the dark nights and hathaway catwoman because we'll fight i don't know if you like hers but i'm over that (laughs) if you like it we will fight because i can't even with that i cannot even (laughs) Kind of like how I, how, how I feel that Bane should not be a sidekick, but Bane should be his own villain. Oh, this is where we agree. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yes. 158,000%. And that's, I think that Catwoman becomes the gravy because she's one of those characters that is like, where do you fall? Where? Who are you? Like, what are you doing? You're on his side. You're on that side. But, like, her, the, her self-serving nature is is the villainy. Because that in itself, if you are only a self-serving person, there's a villainous nature to that because you're not willing to help other people unless it serves you. You're not willing to open yourself up to that. There's there's a darkness to that when you're only self-serving. So if you can play on that self-serving nature of I'm out for me, if Batman is the one that's going to get me there, if Penguin's the one that's going to get me there, if Christopher Walken's going to get me there, if, you know, whoever is going to get me there, I'm going to do that. So if... That, that opens up a whole world of possibility for villainy. Um, and I don't think they knew what to do. She's just the gravy. She's gravy in, was gravy in the cartoon a lot of the times. Um, the 90s cartoon was my jam. Animated series. Like quintessential Lizzie Batman viewing. Um, and so she plays the gravy role. And so I think, you, I think that's where you're having, I, I'm hearing that that's a little bit of this where she's poured into places that don't make sense for her rather than allowing her to be the main course. Like, why wouldn't she be? Hello. Yeah, that's a good point. I, 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 I agree. I, I like that. I do. I do. Um, but let's move on. Cause we're, we're running pretty, pretty long tonight. Look at that. I am a long yeah. talker. You guys, it's all going to be my fault. <laughs> it's okay. We'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll forgive you this time. Thanks. So, <laughs> All right, so we're just going to kind of move ahead here. We're, we're going to kind of skip a little bit, but do you do you, do you, I think it aged very well um, as far as the movie goes. 
I think it aged about as well as the first Batman, and definitely probably better than the next two. Well, obviously. Uh, I, I think, and, and here's why I believe it ages well because it's got it pays, it's paid more homage to in the Gotham TV show and even the current DC movies than and other genre movies, even movies that aren't DC or Marvel related. It's paid homage to more than I think the first Batman was. So it's it, there, there's. Uh, I don't remember if it was Gotham this season or something had penguins. Um, do you remember, Carrie, which one it is that had uh, things that looked like penguins and we thought of? Um, no. Oh. I, that, I don't, that I don't remember. I do know that I think la- not this past season, but the season prior to that, uh, they did do kind of an homage to um, the creation of Catwoman. Yes. Uh, with um, Selena getting pushed out the window. And yeah. apparently dying. Um, <laughs> this this one this one uh, I remember when we when we talked about the first Batman, there was a timelessness to it that you don't you don't quite know what time period they're in. Uh, there's a little less of that with this one. There are there are a few things that that kind of do date the movie, but it's completely you can completely just gloss over them. It's not something that, that takes me out of the movie. Okay. Okay. What about you, Carrie? Uh, I mean, uh, Lizzie? I think the only thing that doesn't age well, and again, as we're talking about across the board, is the misogyny that you see. Oh, yeah. And that just doesn't oh, yeah. age in any movie now that we can acknowledge that women are people, too. Um, <laughs> as a world, we're trying. Um, I just, I think that never ages well, but I think we, we sort of are like, alright, but it was 92, what are you going to do? Um, other than right. that, graphics, pyrotechnics, the score, the acting, I mean, all of that ages, ages wonderfully and has just like gotten better with age um, because there are so many examples of that you're like, whoa, like, <laughs> wow, they were behind in the 90s, you know, <laughs> like, you're like, this was made yeah. in the 90s? That's crazy. Um, <laughs> this is one of those movies where you're like, oh, it's really, really good, you know, good stunts. Um, good costumes. I mean, Michelle Pfeiffer, that cat suit, like that is my quintessential. I, I whenever I think of Catwoman, it's her. That's it for me. Um, so I think it definitely ages. Well. I think of Anne Hathaway's Catwoman. I, I think will of Catwoman. fight you. I will fight you. <laughs> Do I need to break you two? Yeah, children? we will fight. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will put. I will put both of you in arm lock. Baited. <laughs> So, uh, so, so, talking about the good stuff in a movie, what, what, are some, what are some of the pros of this movie? What are some of the good things that you thought this movie did really well? Well, I think you know uh, what mine so, is. What was that? I said, I think you know what mine is. Catwoman! So, <laughs> yep, cat, Catwoman, yep. All right, now so, we're on to the cons. <laughs> so, so, this is, so, this is officially the first time Paul Rubens has played Penguin's dad. Huh. I had to go back and watch that a couple of times and then double check IMDB and it was like, oh bleep, that that's Paul Rubens and that's awesome because that because they brought him back to play um, Oswald's dad on Gotham. Yeah. So I thought that was cool re- I thought that was really really cool because he has he has no speaking he has no speaking roles whatsoever in the movie, um, but I mean, you can't like that face you don't forget them you don't forget the face of Pee Wee Herman even if you're not fan of Pee Wee Herman. That's um, true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
It's amazing how that duck can get all the places it gets to. <laughs> <laughs> I kept I kept wondering how he rose out of these sewers uh, when he saved the baby, quote unquote, uh, with that duck. The duck, has, the duck is the duck is part scissor lift. I figure that I figure that's what part of what I figure it is. But the fact that that duck can get so many places in the sewers, that is kind of amazing. Yeah. Um, I I, I enjoyed the darkness of the story in oh, the setting. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, for 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 those who don't know, I I enjoyed the darkness that DC brings. Yeah, to I love films. it. I love it when DC goes um, dark. I think this is uh, different I, than the current darkness, but I'll give it to you. <laughs> ah, and 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 in what way, there, Miss 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 Lizzie? That will be a really long <laughs> conversation. <laughs> okay, so we're gonna skip that. I enjoy the current. I, I agree the with Zack you. Snyder darkness, but I agree with you <laughs> about the Tim Burton darkness that is brought in this particular film. I think it's the exact right tone um, for these films for Batman specifically in this context. They think it hits the perfect tone. I, I think it's a pretty good tone, although we would have another discussion about how I enjoy the tone of Zack Snyder's films, too. We can have that discussion um, one day. One day, one day. Um, I enjoy that they made you feel sympathy for Oswald as a villain at the beginning of the film. Agreed. Um, I, I enjoy when a film can make you feel... He was a kid who was born different, and because he's born different, he's thrown out into the river, which is so dark in itself. Yeah, but it's it's it it makes you feel sympathy for him that if maybe if he had grown up in the society he'd grown up in, he wouldn't have turned out the way he turned out. So, um, it, it I enjoy the way it makes you feel sympathy for him. The costumes and the makeup were so overdramatic, it felt like a comic book movie. Yeah, and 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 and, and I love that, and so it it had that general feel to it. Um, anything else that you kind of thought was good about this movie? I also like this is- the chemistry between Keaton and um, Pfeiffer. I think they have a really great, yes. tangible chemistry um, that you can yeah. feel on off screen in their scenes when it's, you know, like it, it, every scene that they're in, you can sort of feel it crackles. And I love when that happens because that's what you want to see between characters on screen. And they nail the dance it. scene yeah. was, was, oh very, was a great example. Oh, my gosh. They, oh, yeah. She has that sizzle on her own. Like I feel like she sizzles with everybody. <laughs> That's just who she is. But it works with Keaton very, very well. Um, so I dig that. Yeah, this is my second favorite Elfman score ever, um, only because um, this does not have the grand finale from ba- from uh, Edward Scissorhands, and that is my favorite um, track of movie music ever. Um, also, I got into this discussion with uh, someone at the comic book store I used to work, work at. If you listen to the, the score back to front, it almost plays like an opera or a symphony. And then uh. it, it's capped off with, with, with Susie and the Banshees doing a song that Danny Elfman wrote. And this is, this is the soundtrack that got me into Susie and the Banshees. So um, that's a bonus. Oh, huh, okay. Um, I enjoyed seeing Felix the cat in the movie. <laughs> oh yeah, that was those cats were creepy uh, in a very Burton-esque way. That was good. It's like this is definitely a Tim Burton movie. It has something creepy like that. And for all the young listeners who don't know who Felix the cat is, go ask your mom and dad. He's the guy who went down and saw King Neptune. <laughs> go go go! Check the internet, kids. Yes, go internet yep. it. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. 
So now, 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 now to the most favorite part of our discussion. Uh, what are some things that you may not have liked about the movie? What that you think? Obviously, we we know we already mentioned the the, the misogyny at the at the misogyny at the beginning and and throughout this this discussion so far. We we know that's 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 something we wish we could change and be a little different. But uh, what what are some other things that kind of really just you did not like? Um, I think it's weird that they leave a lot of um, what goes on in Batman Returns behind when they move on to the other movies. I don't know if it was because they changed out Keaton for Kilmer that in and like took a different tone. Like Batman Forever feels so different than, or Batman and Robin is the second, the third one. Which was the third one? No, Batman Forever is the third okay. one. Yeah, Batman, Batman and Robin is the fourth one. one. Okay. With Two I actually Face like Forever, but we I don't I try not to talk about Batman and Robin too much. Well. Yeah, right. I liked Forever too. I didn't, I didn't think it was terrible. Um, it was no. I mean, I love me some Tommy Lee Jones, but like, um, I think that like, the, like they set up this whole thread for Catwoman to be alive, and then it's like, yes. ah, bye bye. <laughs> why? Why did you get rid of like one of your best characters? I don't. I don't know if it was the Keaton switcher, if, if just something else was going on behind the scenes. Who knows? I'm sure it's out there on the internet, but like that seems weird to me. And I, that's not a con about the movie for specifically, but I think about the world that they were trying to build. It really left these threads that they could have really pulled on. Yeah, I agree. Um, I haven't, I had an issue with the fact that Bruce just seems to sit around, um, waiting for someone to light the bat signal. (laughs) He does do that. (laughs) And, and, and according to the special features as well, when we when Tim Burton was on uh, one of the commentators on that one, he said that, yeah, he does do that. And he said he's, because he has divulged into that being in his life. That's just... Divulged? That divulged into that being. So he's just he's just one who's now, he just sits and waits for problems with, with Gotham. He's not one who just, who who goes out, He's he doesn't have to man the day-to-day things because he's got people for that. But he just, <laughs> he sits there and just waits to know when he's needed because he almost feels like sorry keep going sorry actually no, this, sc- this is a this is actually a meme i i saw i saw um last month you know that uh, alfred's talking about how um how uh bruce wayne is so rich he could basically solve all of gotham's problems just by throwing money at them but instead he has to go and fight crime every night and he's trying to convince bruce to just you know donate more money to the poor and stuff and he, and and Bruce is just like but the suit I have to go fight crime in the suit. Yeah. Well, I also <laughs> think that adds to the neuroses of Batman and I think that's actually yeah. an interesting that's always what's fascinating me about Batman is the conversation where if there was no Batman there would be no villains and because he is in existence so are so are his enemies so are his demons. Um and I think that him waiting around makes sense in that context and it's kind of interesting i don't think that they play on it in this movie at all i think they really touch on that in the dark knight but um i think that like if they could have tapped into a little bit of that and and they don't go very dark with bruce i don't think the movie is dark they go dark with the villains they don't go into the neuroses of bruce and i think because we've seen the dark knight and how deep they go with him in that it seems a very light tone to take for him. And that's not who Batman is. He he has that dark side. He is the reason there is right. that darkness, in a way. Yeah, yeah. Bruce, when he's out in public, seems almost absent-minded. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess like he's he trying has, to like play he Bruce. Has no, but... He has no no room in he has he has no room in his life to actually be Bruce Wayne. So he's kind of like you know, kind of flighty and and not always paying attention to to what he's doing. I mean, Christian Bale right. played that, that, that way that too could a be little. An act. Yeah, true. Mm. Let me start on Christian Bale. Uh, can of worms. Can of worms. We will, we will, we will get there. Can of worms. <laughs> um, so why 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 was Selena divulged to the man covering up the real reason behind the power plant? The information she did. Um, if you know he's doing it, why would you let him know? Hey, I know what you're doing. Um, you can go to the news media. <laughs> uh, if you weren't trusting of him before. Why would you do that now? I don't know. I, that, that just seems really, really strange. Unless she has a bad habit of talking when she's nervous and then saying the wrong thing. Right. She's, uh, kind, of like the, she's kind of like the 90s Felicity in that way. It's like Felicity you know, yep. tends, to, tends to, you know, say inappropriate things. Uh, one um, of my least favorite like, shows oh, shutting up now. of all time. Huh? I said, uh, that's Arrow? one of my least favorite shows of all time. Oh, I love some Arrow. Oh, I love Arrow. Oh, Felicity <sighs> Lizzie, as far as Arrow. Lizzie, how so different? No, 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 no. I, loved, <laughs> I thought you were talking about Felicity. Like the show oh, no, Felicity. Oh, no, 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 We're talking about show we Arrow. The, we were keeping things in the, Z- oh, okay. in the DCU. I was like, first of all, Carrie, Felicity? No. <laughs> I was shocked. Yeah. Oh, thank God. No. no, I love Arrow. I don't like Arrow with Felicity. That's my only beef with that show, but I love Arrow. Sorry, keep going. Uh-huh. Okay. okay. That, that's a whole other topic for another yeah, time. Yeah, that was, sorry, tangent. Uh, so how did the cats bring Selena back to life? See, I don't and think they how did do. She get I, they never the, really explain that. And how did she get the powers all of a sudden to a point, or did she even get powers? I think it's part of I that. I don't know that she got power. No, I think it's part of that conversation of survival that we're talking that we're talking about before. I think something was awakened within her when she survived, and it was more about that than getting a power. Um, they, I mean, because it's Catwoman, I think they were playing that up with the cats, and but I think it's more about this awakening to an inner thing that she never knew she had or she wasn't ever able to let out of the bag. And I think that that's sort of what happens to her when she's pushed out of there. And so I think that it's, I think it's more that than anything else. I don't think it's like, I mean, maybe that's what their intention was, but I don't think that that comes across. So that could definitely be a con if that's what they were going for. If it's going for an awakening of her, of who she really is, then that's a strength to me. Mm Okay. Okay. Uh, Carrie, do you have any more for you? Anything else? Or um, Lizzie, yeah, the, yeah. Batsy really needs a car with a better turning radius. That you know <laughs> thing that came down and turned his turned the car, their Batmobile around. That was just lame. As much as I love this Batmobile, uh, yeah, I I have a better appreciation for the Tumblr and um, the the Batmobile from the current DCEU. Um, after after rewatching uh, this movie, um, also uh, programmable programmable batarangs are just impractical. <laughs> villains uh, villains are not going to wait around for them for Batman to program his equipment. That's just not going to happen. He could. You never know. I disagree about the car. I think that the car from these movies is the quintessential Batmobile. There is no other for me. Um, 
I, I know what, hmm. I see what you're saying, but for me, this is the Batmobile. There are no other Batmobiles. When it is at a museum or at a con, I want a picture with it. I don't care about the stupid tumbler. I hate the tumbler. I love it's. I love the tumbler. So ridiculous. It, it's just a. It's just a. <sighs> Lizzie, I hate the tumbler too. Everything. Oh, look at us, Mike. I know. We're so back and forth. I know. Um, it's amazing. I know. Well, that's because when nobody is just one thing or the other. We're all all of them, a mixture of everything. Um, yes. I think one thing I dislike greatly is just how disgusting the penguin is. I know he has to be, but, like, I think they take it to such a gross level that it's... The mouth oozing. Oh, it skeeves me yeah. out. And I don't, like... I don't mind. Yeah, I I know stuff. I know one of your I know Mike that one of your cons was that they were they killed off Penguin, but um, I yeah. was actually kind of happy that they killed him off because he was That's really really so gross. gross. And well, I, I really don't like this I, version of Penguin. I was upset that they killed Penguin number one because they killed a main villain in the Batman story arcs. But number two, and and I'm always I'm always, I always hate it when Batman kills somebody. Even like when even if he didn't kill a Penguin, he killed the, the one of his goons Henchman, with the yeah. bomb um so i always hate that but i hate it because it almost has that feel that sometimes superhero movies kill off their best villains way too soon uh, or in one movie instead of letting them <laughs> instead of <laughs> letting them build up about. instead of letting them build up and use them you know make them the big bad like i enjoy what they're doing with with thanos and in and, and the in the infinity wars that they just kill them off in the first one right they said, "Okay, we're gonna let we're gonna let you root on on what we have going on here for the next few for the next year, and then come back and we'll, you can see the end of what happens to him." I enjoy that. How crazy would it have been? Because they didn't reuse Joker, they didn't reuse Two Face, they didn't reuse Catwoman. They killed off the Penguin. You know, like they really didn't world build as far as um, uh, creating what is classic to comics is the right. classic, the most classic thing. To comics of all time is the nemesis is the recurring nemesis like that's the thing about comics they're always yeah, showing also, back up constantly you, you make you make, a, you make a fair point but also these, these are comics and, and we all know nobody ever stays dead well and i know so. there has to be a realism to the movies that isn't in comics that, that there's no leeway for that in the films but I don't know, like, I, that's one of my main things that I loved about Spider-Man Homecoming, the fact that they saved Vulture because I think he's got a bigger arc waiting for him down the pipe. And that's what, that's right. the thing that we love about that recurring, that, that there is a chemistry between a, a villain and a good guy that you want to see play out, not just in one film, but over an arc. Um, and I think that that's one thing that these four movies, if you're looking at the four original Batman movies all together... Although we don't look at Batman and Robin, but whatever, we're putting it in there. Um, there is no, there is no connective tissue that keeps them all together in that way. You know what I mean? To say like, yeah, it is connective just because they were the four Batman movies that were made before the Dark Knight came out. Fine, but like, there is not a lot of connective tissue between them. Like as Zack Snyder. Well, there's Alfred. Yikes! It's the um, same Alfred for the. For that's all true. Four there movies. is Alfred. Um, I don't know. Like, that is a con for me for that. And just, again, the grossness of Penguin. Dear God, he's disgusting. I don't mind grossness, <laughs> but, like, I feel like there's a way to do it that's, that's like, menacing. And this was, like, ew, he's oozing. It's not... Yeah, yeah. Penguin is usually a lot more sophisticated and way smarter 
then I mean we do we do see some of the brains uh, some of the way penguin his some of his brains in this but yeah he's usually way smarter and way more focused or than, or even than more threatening in a in a in a like a dangerous way in a different way than like ew he's going to get his mouth ooze on me yeah yeah, he's 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 usually. That's I mean, so I, mean I, I I can go back. I can go back to like the Adam West Batman. He's usually more oh my of like gosh, a, the a best. gentleman, no gentleman gangster. No. Adam West Batman is quintessential. We grew, I grew up on that. No, I, no, I don't. I don't. Agree, All right, but next. I I yeah, love let's, let's move on. <laughs> I could go on forever about that one. Go. <laughs> so if there's in if there's nothing else um, negative that anybody would like to get to. Um, we can go ahead and head to our discussion topic, which I don't think it's going to take us long. Backflips are impractical for an entrance. I mean, yes. they look cool, but yeah, that they was, do. That, that she was did an kind awful of lot of backflips. <laughs> That's funny. But uh, <laughs> but let's get a little bit into our the discussion. We we've talked a lot of discussed a lot already, but I don't think this one should take long. But my here's here's the question: How dark is too dark in superhero movies? Um, this. <laughs> People said that the first Batman was more dark than this one. I kind of disagree. I think when you look at the whole plot that Penguin wants to steal babies mm-hmm. and older people too, I think and that children, gets pretty yeah. dark. You have the disgustingness of Penguin, like you mentioned. Um, you have the craziest, the craziness of Catwoman. Um, you have Bruce Wayne brooding in his room and waiting for the reflective bat signal to show up um by the way i do like the homage he paid in spider-man homecoming when he flew in front of the moon yeah that's uh, awesome <laughs> the bat signal that one and uh but so this movie in essence was pretty dark but how dark is too dark in super movies like is there a line that if you cross this line you have crossed into a seriously dark super superhero movie um i think that the conversation has changed because of the because of the current DC universe being dark in a, in a different way, in my estimation, um, right. because these were still so campy and still so comic booky in nature, there's a darkness that's allowed to be there because it's funny. It's like a fu- it's like because it's it's silly and it's it's otherworldly. It's exaggerated. It's not like oh, holy crap, that could really happen. You're not thinking about that in these movies. You're not like, oh, yeah, some penguin man's going to come out and steal babies. Like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's There's an otherworldly comic booky thing to both of, all four of these movies. And that's what makes them feel so comic booky in nature and is what I think sets them very, very apart from what's happening in the current DC world, uh, especially the Dark Knight, that's its own thing. But even this in this DC world, it's a darkness of a different kind for me. Um, I don't think these even touch near as darkly as where it is now. It, it's a different kind of darkness for me because it doesn't have that. Um, it, it doesn't have that like campiness that that sort of allows for the darkness. It doesn't have the light to balance the dark. In in my opinion. 
Um, right. And I think that that's where, where those stand apart from what's currently happening. There are things that I like about what's currently happening that you could never do in that, that campier place. That's why they want to go that dark. They want to explore those corners. And you can't do that if you're in a skin-tight, black leather, being an insane person with a penguin stealing babies. You just, you can't. It's different. Um, I think Suicide Squad touches the closest to it in the current DC yeah. universe. I think that touches the closest to that campiness because of the Joker and because of Harley and their excellence in being weird um, and crazy and in like a non-tangible way. So that's that's my little take on it. I think that there's just, it's allowed. I think anyone who's mad about it is is missing the point. It's allowed to be. It's it's extra-worldly. It's a comic book on screen, you know? Right. Right. And, and, and you know, I may have the unpopular opinion that I currently like the dark, the, the darkness of the movies we have now in DC over these ones. I like oh. to take the tone of the darkness in these ones over the older ones. I think a lot um, of people agree with you. And I think that that, that I think it's such an interesting thing to explore. I, I completely agree with that. So, well, Carrie, what, what, what about you? Do you, do you think that, or, or what, what describes a dark movie to you? Like what would be the ultimate, once you do this, you can't go to the comedy side. You you, you have to stay dark, or, or or what is too dark? Um, you know, I I have a I tend to have a very dark and weird sense of humor. So, um, there there's there is a this does not cross any lines for me. The, uh, right. This is doesn't I mean, even approach than, the again, line. <laughs> doesn't it? Doesn't even yeah. It doesn't even in, in today's the line. standards. No, it doesn't. Right. Yeah. But yeah, it does there 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 are no lines that are crossed in this, I don't think. I mean, the, I mean, yeah, the the whole, you know, Pied Piper um let's get <laughs> let's um let's kidnap the firstborn children of Gotham. Yeah, it's dark. It's but it, there's a reason for it. And it it just it doesn't like I say, it doesn't the dark the dark twisty humor of twisted humor of it is fine and batman is supposed to be dark um that's i think that's why i i moved away from the adam west batman uh, once i discovered you know the tim burton movies and you know beyond it's just like you know this is the this this is the dark knight the dark knight is supposed to be dark and maybe a bit you know, bent. But right. yeah, it, this is this is like it's this is it's not too dark. I don't think. And 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 I don't think so either. Um, I always liked how, and I think the new the new, well the the Zack Snyder setup, the world building he did, made the heroes not just Batman, but made the heroes, um, more more human than I think. The, these these movies did. I think these movies were great, but you did never you never really explored the Bruce part of Batman in these movies. You, right. you, you like in this movie, you'd see him in a study, and that was it. You didn't really see him out. He was always acting as Batman, even when he wasn't in the costume. Right. But I so I, I think I think I don't think it was too dark or anything like that. I think it was a, I think it was a good movie um, and whatnot. But we 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 are running pretty pretty heavy on time so i just want to kind of read a couple of quick little things about this movie that you may or may not know and uh and we'll move on here uh so the first this was actually the first film that was made in the dolby digital 
Um, so that was pretty interesting to find out. Uh, several modifications were made to the bat suit, including the color scheme and chest plate logo. At the request of Michael Keaton, a zipper was also added to the pants. <laughs> and <laughs> that, that, that's usually helpful. Yes. So speaking of the uh, the animal rights protests that were going on with this movie, um, the production wanted to use kingpins. So in order to also king penguins, you mean? King, king, oh, king, king penguins. <laughs> But the only Kingpin, so that the only Kingpin t- is, a di- is Marvel different, different yes. Kingpin. <laughs> but the only tame ones in captivity were at a bird sanctuary in Cotswolds, deep in English countryside. So to also to appease the activists as well, um, the birds were flown over to the states in a refrigerated hold off a plane. They were given their own refrigerated trailer, their own swimming pool, a half ton of fresh ice every day, and had fresh fish delivered daily straight from the docks. Even though the temperature outside frequently topped 100 degrees, the entire set was refrigerated down to 35. The penguins also had an around-the-clock bodyguard. Uh, so, penguins had more than I did back in 92. <laughs> um, but, uh, but anyway, so during an A&E biography, Michelle Pfeiffer said that her Catwoman costume was vacuum-sealed once she fitted into it for scenes. So she actually had only a short amount of time before she would have to have it open or she could become lightheaded and pass out. That makes a lot of sense. She, yes. Yeah. She also admitted that when she first was learning to use the whip, she actually cut her trainer's face with it, at which she acted as if it a complete gentleman and continued her training. Along the same lines of the suit, she went through 60 cat suits during the six-month shoot at a cost of $1,000 a suit. Well, sure, if they're, if they're, sewn on, if they're vacuum-sealed onto or if anything happens to it, you have to have a whole new suit. Yeah. Yes. And speaking to the thought of Catwoman as well, there's a lot of Catwoman issues, things going on. Warner Brothers had to constantly submit new Catwoman posters for various cities as many of the bus stop ads were being stolen. It got so bad that police officers had to patrol bus stops in order to catch perpetrators before they could break the plexiglass containers. Today, the large-scale Catwoman bus ads are worth a great deal of money if you have one. That's funny. That is that, I that's vaguely, funny. I vaguely remember hearing stuff about this, and, and I, yeah. Um, this is something I mentioned earlier, that Michael Keaton was alleged to have earned $11 million for reprising his role as Batman, um, the Warner Brothers executives were very uneasy at this, which be quiet and let people make movies. Um, however, director Tim Burton said that he believed Keaton deserved the money, and I think he did too. I think he did a phenomenal job. Um, the note given to the penguin by the monkey from Batman is in Bob Kane's handwriting. That's awesome. So that was pretty cool. Batman has used notes signed with his logo throughout his entire history. Carrie, who's Bob Kane for those who don't know? Bob Kane is the creator of Batman. There you go. Billy D. Williams was to play Harvey Dent again in this movie. That would early... have been so cool. I know. Yeah, that would have been awesome. Been much, been much better than Penguin. Uh, <laughs> in an early draft of this movie script included the role. The character was re- later renamed Max Shrek, and all of the dense lines were given to him, and all the two-faced elements were removed. Um, I can't remember why I read, but I think there was a scheduling conflict with this one. Mm. And he was mm. not able to do it for some reason, or he had just gotten sick or something. So they ended up having to make somebody really quickly. That's why the Max Shrek came apart. Um, so... I like to kind of give a couple of actors 
or actresses that were considered for roles, but Catwoman's um, roles were considered before they settled on Michelle Pfeiffer was Raquel Welch. That's the only one on this list who I could see being as as quirky and even even a little fraction of what Michelle Pfeiffer. She can play crazy. Yeah. All right. So all the rest of these are no. No, Madonna, no. Um, I'm just kind of going through. Jodie Foster, no. I can't believe they considered Reba McIntyre at one point. And Cher. <laughs> I know, and Cher. <laughs> Meryl Streep, I think, could have been done the crazy, but I oh, don't think no. I... Maybe, no. And Meg Ryan? Uh, what? Yes. The exact opposite of Michelle Pfeiffer. Right. Hey, now they, you know that you know if if she, if she had been trying to get out, get out of being typecast, that could. Have I mean, worked. she's an excellent actor, but a big no. And Nicole Kidman was also, also considered, no. but because she did not make this one, they gave her the next spot in the. Um, in Batman. In the Forever? next movie. She does play so, crazy too, though, really well. But also no. Yes. But anyway, so those are just a couple of things. Is there anything else before we um, before we hit our wrap-up stage. Anything else y'all like to bring to the table for this movie? No, I think that's pretty much... I think we pretty much covered it. Yeah. Lizzie? I, I think uh, I think we did a great job. I think you guys might have to have me back on for if you do get into the dark night, because, you know, I, we can really talk some comparison Catwomans and comparison dark darkness. Um, there's such a juxtaposition of the darknesses in, in each of those that are so different. Um, the dark night... Agreed. The dark night specifically. Um, because yes. oh, yeah. there's a reason why that Dark Knight would never work with Superman and why they had to go into a recast. So that's a whole thing. But mm-hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Well, we don't have any listener feedback, and that's a shame on you listeners for not feedbacking us. Aww. No, we love you. <laughs> and uh, y'all, send us, send us a tweet, something, uh, an email. Or even if you review us, we, we promise to read your review. But uh, we want to we want to tell you about a couple of what we're going to watch here. So in a couple of weeks, we're going to record uh, an episode on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. Yay! Teenage Mutant Ninja Yay! Turtles 3 is the next movie. Um, Carrie is really excited about this. I am dreading this. So <laughs> this is going to be a teeth clincher movie to get through but hey i may like it this time around i may have become i may have gotten a sophisticated eye oh no three is bad one and two are great three is terrible (laughs) oh my yeah oh boy yeah oh carrie it's okay i i i i I, I very likely in the minority on this it's it's one of those i haven't seen it in ages so it's one of those that holds a place in your heart but if you pick it apart it's a terrible movie one and two are wonderful. They're fun. They're campy. They're goofy. But this one's like, oh, okay, you're going, you're doing that, right? Okay, cool. <laughs> All right. And then for the first time in Cape Chronicles history, which is eight episodes, um, we are going to hit, do, we throughout our movie list that we have, we are going to be hitting a couple of the animated movies that that uh, that made uh, the superhero realm of good quality movies so we have our first animated movie coming up and that's gonna be batman mask of the phantasm yay i love this movie so um i'm looking forward to that as well um but we so we have ninja turtles is the next one and then after that we have batman the mask of the phantasm so you have plenty of time to go buy any of these movies that you want to buy or you need to buy um but in closing listen we want to hear from you 
Uh, we want to hear everything you got, you know, everything that you think about this movie. Tell us what you think about uh, Catwoman this movie. Tell us how you thought about Penguin or, or how dark you think this movie uh, could have been or, or was or whatnot. We want to hear from you. So email us at capedchronicles at randomchatter.com. And everybody gets your, your email here, so we'll see. We'll be able to uh, read it out on the next podcast and answer it. Uh, and then find us on Twitter. Find us at, at Random Chatter. Um, we can tweet us there, tweet us your thoughts. You can find us on at our own personal uh, Twitter accounts. Mine is Obi underscore Mike Kenobi. And I look forward to hearing from there. Carrie, where can they find you? You can find me at Carrie Blackfire42. That's K E R I Blackfire42. And Lizzie, what about you? And you can find me at Nerd in the City um, on both Twitter and Instagram. All right, and you can find all of our shows at randomchatter.com. Um, let me encourage you to go on there and, and look, see what kind of shows we got. If if you were interested in some kind of fandom, I Random Chatter probably has the podcast for it. I encourage you to check them out. We have Movie Chatter, Random Chatter. Um, check out Fangirl Confessionals. I think it's a great podcast, by the way. Thank you. Uh, I, I thoroughly enjoy that one. Um, and I also, listen, check them out. Check out Guardians of the MCU. Uh, great podcast. Uh, enjoy the discussions. I, they just released one I thought was was uh, was pretty good a little a few days ago. And uh, so check out all the shows. We have we have plenty out there. Spread the word and support us. Leave reviews for us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. If you do, we'll read it on the air. We want you to feel uh, part of the show as well. So leave us a review and uh, and give give us five stars because you can't give us six. So give us five. And uh, but spread the word about us. Support us. Uh, tell your friends about us. Um, let, let them know. I would matter of fact, I was in the Verizon store the other day, and I was talking to a guy, and you could just tell that this guy uh, liked liked superheroes. Just something about him. So we got we got to talking, and sure enough, he did. He loves the Marvel and DC. He reads the comics, and uh, I introduced him to Random Chatter, and he said, "I'll I'll check him out." So um, so listen, that's all it is. Just simple as simple as talking to your friends about it or people that you meet. Uh, join us in Discord. Information go to randomchatter.com/discord. Discord's always a blast. Uh, we 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 try to behave. We usually do. Some people don't let us behave. <laughs> and um and and some people are always causing problems on Discord. No, it's good. It's fun. Uh, so join us in Discord. We have a lot of fun there. Um, and with Discord, you get to be part of our main lobby, which is public, as well as our podcast channels. But if you choose to support us on Patreon. Go to randomchatter.com slash Patreon, and for $1 a month, just $1 a month, okay? That's one, well, you can, I can't say Junior Bacon Cheeseburger anymore. That's one small fry from McDonald's if you want a McDonald fry, all right? A month, you can support us. You get access to all the other channels in our Discord server. Um, we have things from gardening to life to health and fitness to other entertainment topics. Just the list goes on and on and on. Um, so support us and one of the money that we that we get goes to us it goes to help support the the network for for storage fees and and everything like that so support our network and the music you hear in this podcast is high roller mojo by blue stolly and as silly as this sentence sounds all trademarks are owned by their respective owners until next time Carrie, thank you so much for joining us. Lizzie, thank no you problem. so much for joining our podcast today as well. Anytime. And we enjoyed having you. We look forward to having you back again. But until next time, we'll see you later. 